It's always a privilege to be here with you and to be able to explore uh, the book of James as we're continuing to do. Uh, we, uh, I've been doing this fall series, Faith Works, and it's hard to believe, but next week is sort of the end of what we call volume one. Uh, we'll be uh, concluding uh, the fall series and then Believe it or not, a couple weeks after that, be heading into the Christmas season uh, series of messages. And then as we come back after the first year, we'll be finishing up the book of James. But James is a book where he takes us beyond sort of a, a mindset of what it means to be a Christian or, or some of the philosophies and self-help and all those things and takes us down to the, to the nitty-gritty of what does it literally look like? How do we walk with Christ? And, and last week, we, we looked at this topic of partiality, and partiality is, is really treating people in different ways according to the, either their outward appearance or, or worldly advantages or any number of personal preferences. And, and so when, in, in verse 1 of chapter 2, he speaks specifically of the importance of not showing favoritism to anyone for any of these reasons. And what ties last week's passage to this passage is in verse 9, he uses the same word partiality, but he talks about neighbors, sort of the theme of this morning. How do we care for neighbors? How do we care for the people around us? How do we care for the people in the world? And so the overarching point that connects both passage of last week, this week, and really the entirety of what James is, is really presenting to us in his book here is, is, is the reality of what does it look like to really know God's love, to embrace God's love, and to share God's love with others? What does that really look like? And so he's going to take us down this journey of, of really painting this picture for us. And so let's jump into our passage this morning. James chapter 2, verses 18 through 13. That's what James writes. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture... You shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, said, do not commit murder. And if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you've broken, uh, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are judged are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. And so really, James begins by talking about love, and, and love is core to what it means to be a follower of Christ. In fact, the, the one statement about love, the most profound statement of all, of all literature about love, is found in 1 John. 1 John 4, 8, the second part of that verse. It reads this way, God is love. God is love. The very nature of who he is. It's, it's not just an attribute. It is an attribute, but, but it's, it's his identity. It's who he is. God is love. If you want to know what true love is, and people often will ask the question, what, what really is love? Look to God. And the word that, that's used there is, is agape in the Greek. In the Greek, there's several different words that you can use for love, but this one's agape, and agape love is unconditional love. It's love with no strings attached. And I have some verses I want you to realize this morning, but this idea of a God being love and our call as followers of Christ to love others, it isn't just in one or two areas in Scripture. It's in the entirety of God's Word. In fact, God loved us even when we were sinners, the Scripture tells us. Romans 5.8. God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
when we even care about him, when we didn't even know we needed a savior, he died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our act together because he knew we never could. And so he came and died in our stead. The gospel truth is that, is that nothing can separate the believer from God's love. Romans 8, 39, second part of that verse, really clearly says, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In fact, it's the very love of God that sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, you and me, that he gave his one only son that whoever will believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus taught the importance of a life of love. Jesus proclaimed, it's recorded for us in John 13, 34 through 35. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, catch this, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. How, how, how will people know we're his disciples? By the way we show love to each other. So Jesus refers to this, James refers to this commandment of Jesus as the royal law, the royal law. That's an interesting wording, royal law. It, it, it literally uh, carries the picture within the Greek there of, of belonging to the king. In other words, this, this royal law is important to the king. It's scriptural, but, it, but it's important to the king. It's sort of like a, a royal decree, so to speak. He says, love each other. So the opposite of the royal law is partiality. And fulfilling the royal law pleases God, showing partiality, James is really to the point, is sin. But it's so important we don't lose sight of the fact that fulfilling the royal law, like all of God's laws, is not meant to be a, a, a meritorious obedience, but a responsible obedience. What do I mean by that? It's not meritorious. It doesn't mean, it's, it's not, it's not, we're not trying to earn anything. That when we come into a saving faith in Jesus Christ, that Jesus already provides everything for us. All the spiritual blessings are already ours. So it's not like we're trying to earn anything from him. We've already gotten everything. It's a response of obedience. That those who have received Christ as Savior and Lord, that we desire to respond by giving our whole lives to him, by living godly, Christ-like lives. So James not only declares that the law is an essential part of the Christian faith, he wants to explain to us how we fulfill it. But he begins by wanting to let us know something very, very important. Look back with me at James chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has been guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Now, first of all, let me say this. He could have put anything in there because you may be sitting there and say, well, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't murdered anybody, so I'm okay. But the reality of it is he could put any of the moral law in there. If you've lied, if you've deceived, if you've, done any, if you've coveted ever any of those things and you've broken the whole law. And so what is James saying to us? He's saying this. We have all broken God's law. Every single one of us have. Paul wrote it this way in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, all at the equal playing field before God. Now, I know that's not the most exciting reality in life. In fact, it's bad news that we've all fall short of the glory of God. But so many times what we try to do is compare ourselves to other people when the reality of it is we compare ourselves to God's glory. All of us have fallen short. Now, if I ended there, it'd be a pretty depressing message. But there's much more we're going to look at. But before we go any further, we have to understand that what does it mean? We're guilty of all the law. If we've broken one part, we've broken all of it. 
Well, I want to share an illustration. All, still, all illustrations break down at some point, but this will help us sort of get a grip on what he's talking about here. It's like a, a heap of stones. If you had this, this, this pile of stones and you took one stone from it, the entire pile would be in place. And so we're, we're not talking about it that way because it's easy to say, well, you have the, all these laws and we just take one out. We can still have the whole law. There, I've kept it. But that's not it at all. It's more like a sheet of glass. The law of God is like a sheet of glass. Not because it's fragile, but you'll, you'll get the picture in a minute. If you break one point, it can't be contained. The, the rest of the gra- glass will crack. And so there's, there's nothing arbitrary about God's law. Each one reflects some facet of God's divine nature. Neither is there anything unnecessary. If the law expresses the whole nature of God, the lawgiver, then every single precept has its place. Catch this. To take away one precept from the law is to damage the revelation that God has given us about himself. So here it is. To say that, that one of the commands doesn't apply to you or me is to say that some aspect of God doesn't matter to you and me. And, and so James is saying, if you break one part of it, you're, 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 you're fracturing our understanding of God and therefore you have broken the entirety of it. James shares this vivid example. If, if we should, for instance, commit adult, not commit adultery, but commit murder or vice versa, we're guilty of breaking the whole law. And that would be true of all of God's moral law coveting, lying, all these things, that we break one part of it, we've broken the whole thing for all fall short of God's glory. In other words, if you could live your entire life and only break one law, you're guilty. I'm guilty. You're guilty. He, he really speaks against, not directly, but sort of figuratively, against this concept that's so popular today about a cosmic scale. Maybe you've thought this way or heard this type of thing. I I hear it quite often, uh, not just in conversations, but I I hear it within our culture when they talk about heaven or or eternity or or what they're going to be remembered as. And it's like this cosmic scale. And if I can just do enough good to outweigh the bad, everything's going to be okay. The problem is that's fallacious. It's, It's not true. There is no cosmic scale. And James wants us to be clear on that. But it's not about trying to outweigh those things. And by the way, what a burden that would be, right? At the end of the day, you get out your little tally markers on a sheet of paper and say, well, I did that good. Oh, I did that bad. I did that bad. Oh, no. Today wasn't a good day. Tomorrow's got to be better. I'm not going to make it. And James says, it just doesn't work that way. We've all sinned by breaking God's law. We're all in the same predicament. Now James tells us what fulfills the royal law. Look at verses 8 and 9. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Only love fulfills the royal law. It is the royal law, so only love fulfills it. Jesus shares with us on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 17 through 18. He's talking about the fact that he didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota or dot will pass away from the law until it's all accomplished. Well, he's come to fulfill those things. How, do we, how, do, how, how does love do that? Well, look at what Paul writes in Romans 13, 8. Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves one another has what? Fulfilled the law. Further down in verses 9 and 10, he explains further. 
He says, for the commandments, you should not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. In fact, this, this, this is what James calls the royal law, and Paul, Paul summarizes it so well in Galatians 5.14. He says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. Think about it, over and over again, over and over again in Scripture, what are we told? We're told that, that if we want to fulfill the law, we need to love, that love fulfills the law. And Jesus came not only to teach the law, but to live it. Jesus was a perfect example of what it means to fulfill this royal law. And since the disciple is a person who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus and on mission with Jesus, it only makes sense that we too should love the way Jesus loves. Right, church? That if he's our example, we should follow in his steps. But God understands that there's no way that we could ever perfectly keep this moral law. It's not because the law is bad. The law is actually good. It's because we're sinful. And in our sin, we can't really obey it. So God, out of his infinite love for us, sent a Savior to die for our sins, be resurrected for our salvation. And not only that, he, for those of us who receive Christ as Savior and Lord, he fills us with the very spirit of Christ, the scripture says, to give us the power to become more and more like Jesus, to live in freedom and to obey. We're called to obey, and, and because the law corresponds with the wishes and capacities of this new heart we have in Christ, empowered by the spirit, we can. Paul explains it this way, Galatians 3.24, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. If we, can, if we could make ourselves worthy, I'll say it again, if we could make ourselves worthy, we would have no need for mercy. Think about that for a minute. And how many times have we tried to do that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna work real hard today. I'm gonna do the right thing with my strength. And if we could make ourselves worthy, we'd have no need for mercy. But look what James writes. After sharing that we have broken the law, and that only love can fulfill the law, James writes how we, who can only offer imperfect love, can satisfy the law. Look at verses 12 and 13. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we've broken the law. Only, law, only love fulfills the law. Well, here it is. Only Christ can supply the love that fulfills the law. We've broken the law. Only love fulfills the law. But Christ has supplied, has supplied the love that fulfills the law. Jesus is the true source of agape, unconditional, no strings attached, love. We, we can't fake it or make it. Only when we receive Christ, as we surrender to his spirit, walking in, in him, can we really show this love to others? We embrace God's love and he does a work within us that allows us to share his love with those around us. John writes in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Further down in verses 12 and 13 he writes, No one has ever seen God, but this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. 
But it's the work of God in us that allows us to be able to fulfill this royal law, to walk in this royal law. Christ has already paid the price and fulfilled it for us so that we in freedom can walk in this amazing relationship with him in loving others. The burden, that meritorious response, this, this burden of feeling like we have to was taken by Christ. Now we get to. Every day, learn more and more what it means to walk in his love and love others. The Spirit of God is working in us. The, the royal law is being manifested in us. And I love what James writes in James 2, uh, 8 through 13. He's, he's talking about the love of this law of love, but he describes it as what? The law of liberty. Isn't that a great word? We don't really use it much, do we? Liberty, freedom, love. These are the words that describe the Christian life. These are the words that describe what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And only Christ can set us genuinely free. So James writes in, in verse 13 of this liberty and this mercy and, and this idea of judgment. And, and, and what, what is he talking about here? He's saying, listen, Jesus paid it all. When my kids were young, uh, they're older now, but they, they would often say to me, that's not fair. Anyone ever heard that? Anyone ever said that? That's not fair. And my typical response to them was, well, if life was fair, we would all go to hell. I did. I hated it just as much as you do right now, right? Because it's true, right? The, the, the wages of sin is death. That's what we earned. But the good news is God is just and good and loving for the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Freedom in Jesus Christ. That those of us who are in Jesus, we're free. We get to walk in his love. We have liberty. I wonder if we start off today just recognizing that, how different our day would go. If we end the day and go, man, this just wasn't how great a day. You know, I did this okay. If we understand the liberty and the freedom we have in Christ, to be able to continue to walk with him, to know that we don't have to earn anything. He's already given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. All we need to do is, is, is continue to walk with him and trust him and walk in that liberty and freedom. It's life-changing. So we can only fulfill the, the royal law, the law of love, when we really do four things. And James really spelled it out for us. First, we have to acknowledge that we've broken God's law. That's bad news. I get it. I get it. But there's good news when we discover that only love can fulfill it and that Jesus Christ, we need to believe that Christ has supplied that love to fulfill it. He's already done it for us, so in the freedom of Christ, we can, we can grow and we can make a difference. Then the fourth thing, and James alludes to this, he's gonna talk in the rest of the letter about this, Then we must walk directed by the Spirit Enabling the love of God to fill us and flow through us. In other words, what could be looked at if, if you just sort of cut it down to, to we've broken God's law, this, this is, then all of a sudden the royal law is a law of burden. But when you look at the entirety of what James has taught us is that, that love fulfills the law and that Jesus has supplied this love and that all he calls us to do is to walk with him and to grow in him, then it's a law of liberty. It's a power. It's life-changing, not just to us, but for those around us. 
The life that comes from receiving Christ as Savior and following him as Lord, again, is, is a life of what? Mercy and liberty and love. And I can't help but believe that when James wrote this, that he was moved as he concludes the passage, as our hearts should be moved too. Think about it. The thought of Jesus, the cross, eternal forgiveness and freedom offered to all who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. The ability to know him, to know his love and to share his love with others is so spectacular. And the implications are many. People say, so what? (laughs) The implications are many. If it's true that we can know God's love and through the power of the Spirit share it with others, it impacts every relationship we have. If you're married, it should impact your marriage relationship. If you have kids, it should, it should impact your parenting. If you're working somewhere, it should impact the way you relate to your colleagues. If, if you go to school, it should impact the way you, you relate to your schoolmates, the people who live next to you, even other parts of the world. What would move people from, from our church family to want to go on a mission trip to Zambia? It, it's, it's the very love of God that they've experienced. It's sort of it's gushing out, and they're like, man, it can't even be contained in our continent. We've got to go elsewhere to share this. And it's not a burden. It's a blessing. Many years ago, when I was a student pastor, I was at a teen camp. And the service was done, and and one of the students from the student ministry where I was pastoring went up to the front, and I could see her up there, and she'd been up there for a while, and I could tell she was praying, I could tell she was crying. And I wanted to respect the time she was spending with the Lord, and I just let her stay up there for a while. Then I thought, what do you mean? She's been up there for a long time. And so I, I walked up and I said to her, I said, her name was Heather. I said, Heather, I said, is there something I can help you with? There's something I can pray with you about. And she looked up at me and she said, I don't want to, I don't want to let God down anymore. I don't want to let God down anymore. I think all of us have been there. I have. <laughs> Didn't do so well today. <laughs> I won't let God down anymore. And it was one of those moments, I don't, I'm pretty sure you've had it, I hope you've had it, where, where the Lord speaks through you and you know it's him speaking through you because what you say is a whole lot better than you would come up with. <laughs> it was one of those moments, like as the words came out, I went, that's really good. <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> so she said, what? I, I don't want to let God down anymore. And I said this, I said, then stick with him. That's all we ask of you. And stick with them. See, the reality of it is this, that our journey of being perfected is not perfect, not because he's not, but because we're not, and we don't live in a perfect world. Have you noticed that? But here's the good news. Stick with Jesus and he'll finish it. We already know the end. The scripture is really clear. When Jesus returns, job completed. We fully, once again, who God created us to be. And so James is writing in the same understanding that, yeah, there's this law of love that we need to fulfill and we need to, we need to give ourselves over to God so he can fulfill it through us. And that's the only way it's going to happen. It's not by our own strength. Again, we can't fake it or make it. We just got to trust him to do it. And it's not a perfect journey. And there's times where we're going to say, Lord, I just don't want to let you down anymore. And it doesn't give us the freedom to sort of just do what we want. It, to me, it inspires me all the more in my liberty and in my freedom to say, Lord, use me. Help me embrace your love. Help me share your love with others. Do this work in me. It's no longer a burden. It's a blessing, church family. It's liberating. 
And so I wonder this morning, where you find yourself with Christ, whether you're on campus or watching online, have you received Christ as Lord and Savior, this God who is love, who created you to be in relationship with him? Have you chosen to walk with him? And if not, maybe now, in the quietness of your heart, you'll say yes to Jesus. Perhaps like me, you made the decision many, many years ago, and the Lord's just sort of nudging you to say, remember the freedom, remember the liberty. Remember the work I'm doing in you. Maybe you're not as far as you wish you were, but look back and see how far he's brought you and how far he's going to take you as you stick with him. Whatever the next step is God's calling you to take with him, won't you take it with him? Won't you take it with him? And as we pray and thank God for meeting with us in this time of gathering, that we pray that God would take us as we scatter throughout this region that as we scatter, that we would take this love that he so graciously pours into us and allow by the power of his spirit to flow to those around us, to make us loving when we don't feel like it. Amen, church? To be more and more like him. Not because we have to, but because we get to. Not as a burden, but a blessing. Liberty, mercy, love. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for just the the wonderful privilege of being in relationship with you. Realizing that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, not because I'm smart enough to make that choice, not because, Lord God, I, I was doing anything that made me worthy of such a relationship, but because you, Lord God, who, who is love, God is love, you, God, who is love, loved me so much that you sent Jesus Christ to die in my stead on the cross be resurrected for my salvation and that when I entered into that relationship with you by faith, by trusting in you, that you implanted the very spirit of, of Christ in me to allow me to grow more and more and more like him. Lord, I don't want to let you down, but I thank you that what you call me to do is stick with you and to allow for your, your work of making me more like Jesus to, to be manifested from one degree to a greater degree to a greater degree. That the journey that I'm on with you isn't a burden. It's one of liberty. It's one of freedom. It's bathed in love so that I can love others. So Lord God, I pray that if there's anyone who's yet to receive you as Lord and Savior and the sound of my voice, Lord, that even now in the quietness of their heart, they make that decision. Again, thank you for dying for our sins, for being resurrected for our salvation. And Lord, whatever that next step is you call us to take with you, help us, help us have the faith, help us have the trust to take it. So that as you've blessed our gathering this morning, that you would bless our scattering, that in your name and the freedom that you've given us, that we could spread your love and message to those throughout this region who don't know, who've yet to choose you, that they will make that decision to walk with you too, that they can experience the same mercy and freedom and love that we have as yours. And we give you the praise and the glory to our Lord and Savior who didn't just teach us how to live this. He lived it. And he did it all so we can live with you. In Jesus' name, amen.